You're listening to Inside Content, the TV industry podcast. This show is brought to you by 3Vision, a global TV industry consultancy specializing in content acquisition, strategy, research, and business development. Each episode, we give you VIP access to the views and experiences of senior TV executives and discuss the latest TV industry trends and insights. Welcome to Inside Content. I'm Toby Russell, CEO of 3Vision, and today I'm joined by Paul Heaney, founder and CEO of Bossa Nova Media. On this episode, we delve into the unscripted content space, exploring Bossa Nova's strategy for distribution of their factual content, as well as their innovative approach to development and acquisitions. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining me on Inside Content. Hi, Toby. How are you? I'm I'm really good, thanks. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, we, you know, we've had lots and lots of discussions recently on the podcast about scripted content and quite a lot about the world of uh, AVOD and fast channels. So I think it'll be great for our listeners to dive into the world of unscripted content. So maybe you could kick off by uh, giving us a bit of an overview of Bossa Nova Media, the content you focus on, and your overall strategy. Yeah, with Boston Over Media, um, you know, I've had the, uh, I suppose you can call it the fortune to be able to start another business. And I suppose with this, the luxury of having a go at it a third time means you can suddenly look at things you've done before and realize that there are shortcuts. Not to say that you're not learning something all the time, which we are. The team together now, um, lots of whom I've worked with before, but safe to say all of us are learning all the time every day was picking up something we, we all everyone always talks about being lean and mean but we definitely do mean it with this one um, we want to be lean and mean and we want to have it designed to deliver checks for producers we want to work on projects that will if they don't return if they're not returning series if they're big noisy short run then they, i want them to deliver royalties for the producers that means we're doing our job. That means the advance that we put in wasn't too hefty, wasn't too onerous. Um, and if it's something that returns, I want them to get into a season two. There's no point in in them uh, producers putting their, you know, their livelihoods on the line or um, taking a risk, and then us not being able to make the sales to fill the deficit to enable us to get to a season two. And if we get to a season two, I really want to have a season three. So. Uh, that's only reflecting what we're hearing from our community, our hub of buyers out there that attend our development days and more uh, and come to our dinners at MIP. That This is what you know that they're telling us. We've got to try and stay on the straight and narrow content-wise, um, not deviate too much um, from what our plan is, not get distracted by content that we think would be nice to have rather than content that would actually makes us money so at the same time what you don't want is content that eats itself or eats the rest of it you know you want you want to have um a broad base that's steadily growing in terms of uh coverage uh but you also don't want to have subjects in there that are in there just because you haven't got that subject already so i don't know if that makes any sense yeah yeah in terms of um the types of content and the kind of genres or subgenres what 
do you have um, something you could share about your, you know, what's your focus there? Uh, yeah, there isn't a focus. Um, uh, there isn't a focus. It's, I would say, with content, we're looking at several areas all at once, you know, so we could be, I suppose, if, uh, if it's maybe moving away from what's the focus of the content, it's actually what do we feel that the buyers want at the moment? As soon as you stray away from that, you're in trouble. And I think we're just, we're gluing ourselves to that. We really are. We, you know, nothing, nothing gives us greater pleasure than seeing buyers that we've put together talking to each other within a surroundings that we've created. This could be a dinner, this could be development day, this could be some other forum. Um, so as long as those buyers are saying, yeah, what you're giving us is what we want, we have to make sure that we're doing that. Um, that area. So I would say, long answer to a short question, I would say, you know, long running access doc series, yes. Crime in all of its areas and unscripted, short form long runners, yes. Specialist factual, um, some history, ancient history in its in all its forms, yes. Um, and, you know, noisy singles, which could take the audience and the buyer by surprise that could be there as a as a platform driver and a churn avoider, which is a phrase that I think I've heard before. If I haven't, uh, you're welcome. I've just made it up, um, and people can use that. If they want now. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah. So does that give you a, a bit of an idea? We're um, yeah. We try. If you if you try and concentrate on one area, uh, you'll come a cropper. You know, you will you will hit the uh, hit the buffers. Can you come a cropper and hit the buffers? Or is that, have I mixed metaphors again? <laughs> Just to warn you, there will be a lot of mixed metaphors. Um, yeah. But anyway, come a buffer or um, hit the cropper. So, yeah, so you can, you've got to be very careful. Uh, sorry. Um, you've got to be careful not to uh, try to be too clever and second guess the market. You know, um, you're going to be wrong 35% of the time. Uh, just Just roll with that and acknowledge that, you're not going to win them all. The day that you try to become too too surgical, too forensic about the business, um, you're in trouble. Um, and you will end up being a bit vanilla, a bit staid, a bit boring. And I think your sales as a distributor will reflect that as well. You've got to take some risks, basically. Yeah, no one, no one wants boring content. So t- tell us a bit about your development days um, initiative, because I think I think that's pretty innovative. I've not really heard about anybody doing anything like that before. And I think, it, you know, from what I understand, it's, it's quite uh, integral to your um, you know, whole strategy. It is. And if you want to attend, um, you know, give us a shout because we're just we're always looking to improve it. Um, it certainly wasn't right the first time we did it. And it's certainly not right yet. But we are giving uh, buyers something that they haven't got and we'll continue to try and innovate on it. Um, I've got colleagues that are continually coming up with innovation, innovative ideas. So, yeah, at the moment, this just to give you the germ of why it happened back in, God, I think it might have been 2015. Uh, Rodolphe Guignard, who is a friend of mine, was at Elmsay uh, Découverte in France. He said, and we're coming over, you know, we we just want to have projects that we could maybe put some money into as a sort of co-pro partner. I know co-pro is an overused term. It can mean lots of different things, but 
it just means pre-sales with bells on. You know, is, are there any projects we can put some money into that will enable them to get off the ground uh, that we, we'd like to look off and maybe you can get a UK buyer as well, blah, blah, blah. So we did that and it was just one broadcaster sitting in a cafe with buyers turning up in with their plastic bags full of treatments. Shows you how long ago it was. And then it moved on. This is at TCB. It moved on to big swanky cinema uh, buyers all sitting there with a sort of producers coming in every 40 minutes. Just through demand and through now having to be a little bit more breaking it down by genre, we now do, and also because of COVID meant it went online for a couple of years when we started Bossa Nova, we're now doing it as virtual and in person. That was in January. And we may not wait till January to do another one. Breaking news there, Toby, if you want that. Um, we may. Right, okay. um, we were just discussing whether it's too long to wait and it's too big a beast now. It's just huge amount of projects. These poor buyers are having to look, you know, sorry, I know we're playing the world's smallest violin. These poor buyers having to look at all these projects. That's their job. But it isn't. I mean, it's also, we have completely bombarded them. Uh, so one day is specialist factual and one day is true crime or all things crime. So the purpose of this is to try and accelerate projects into production. And, and now we've got over 80 buyers attending over two days, either virtually or in person. And they have to fill out some data uh, during the event, hopefully. Sometimes it's afterwards. And they fill out what they think of the project in terms of numbers, marks out of 10, whether they buy it, whether they pre-buy it, whether they're not interested at all and why. And that information, that data is so useful in, so to feedback to the producer, to feedback into our own marketing to see whether these are the genres that we need to be working on or not. Uh, you know, and sometimes we hit it on the nose, sometimes we don't. And we use that then as to see if we can green light a certain percentage of these projects across the year uh, through getting a few of the buyers to say yes. And then we put some money in ourselves on top, uh, our own funds. So, um, and it gives us a warm feeling if we know that there's generally a big upswell of interest in a particular project uh, makes us feel confident about something. But, you know, as I said, we're still going to get it wrong, but it just, it does. So yeah, it mitigates that risk for us a little bit. So, uh, but which, what we try and do is we vet the projects before they come in, um, hugely vet them. So, uh, but, you know, we don't want to completely cramp the, pro the producer's style. We like to, we also, we like to see these producers meeting the buyers. That's for us, if they get a chance to do that, that's a great thing. You know, they get a chance for the buyers to see, to meet these producers or at least be in the same room as them. That's only good news. And we're happy to be able to enable that, you know. So um, it's, a, it's this community and hub that we've talked about since we launched the business. This is the development day is the heart and soul of that community and hub. Yeah. And how many producers do you typically have involved in, in, in the days? Uh, well, I suppose it was, I mean, we went a bit bonkers last year. This year in January, I think it was about, let's see, it was 140, 150 projects. I mean, it could be as many as 30 to 40 producers, um, right, which is a lot. Right, right, right. And, 100, 150, and kind of approaching 150 projects. So that's, oh, wow, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a, a, lot. You know, a huge, huge amount. I'm asking, yes, I'm asking a lot of my colleagues, you know, the, the machine, you know, of, of Bossa Nova is only, is now eight people, but that's um, that's a lot to be put under it. And uh, Jasmine 
my colleague, um, she took she took a lot of the technical side on herself. I mean, she took all of it on herself, if I'm honest. And she more or less ran that event single-handedly, incredibly. Yeah, so we'll have to try and make sure that, that we don't put her under so much pressure the next one. But she somehow, uh, I don't want to say she enjoys it, but she sort of does afterwards. I think uh, it was a ridiculous amount that we put under her, gave her responsibility-wise. But, you know, in a way, it was... Um, it, she should also be proud of herself because it was a successful, a very successful event. Yeah, it sounds so it sounds was, amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah, but, that, but the challenge now is you know, we've got to make sure these projects. Uh, it's all very well talking about this, you know, and I can hear producers, you know, voices in my head saying, "Yeah, but hang on, what about our project?" Yeah, exactly. You know, not that we can greenlight every project or even have absolutely cut glass feedback for every project, but at least we can show something positive coming out of it. You know. Yeah, so you talked a little bit then about the funding that you you put into projects, um, and and I know you have um, you know you you brought in a kind of shareholder to help I presume to help with help with your ability to finance shows. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? About how do you work in that way? How do you assess what you might put in? What typically what sort of you know percentage would you put into a show? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. Uh, I mean, it can be just, you know, sometimes it's 100%. And we have, we have gone into certain projects and just completely funded the whole thing, which is on a bit of a wing and a prayer. But generally, um, we're very, very confident that this is going to, you know, will we'll fund itself and get into the black. Um, but generally, you know, we, we look at something, we'll just need a tiny amount of funding. So we, we have a, a rolling cash facility that we use just for acquisitions it's only used for acquisitions just ring fenced only for content uh, which night train when they came on board stipulated that you know um, they're our partners and we work brilliantly with them and they want us to you know replicate and build on and improve on what we've done before but use this fund to try and accelerate it but we don't want to i think with boston over what we've learned from the past is not to grow too quickly and not to have too much content. I think I've looked at how we were in the latter years of TCB, and we were under the terms of how we were bought at the time. We were under orders to grow at a very fast rate, you know, which is sometimes very exciting, which you felt at the time. When you look back, you think it was reckless, and we don't need to grow that fast, even though Bossanova will be, I don't know, one of the fastest growing distributors in the UK uh, this year, I'd say, um, already. But we don't need too much content. I think we'd like to grow a slate uh, that the salespeople can identify with and the buyers can identify with. And we don't feel as though we're going to bombard them with too many projects. We want to feel that we are narrowing in and and, um, and being quite surgical with our choice of content. And I think that puts less pressure on the buyer and on the seller as well. They can relax a bit and get to know the content they've got and uh, make it work. And certainly Holly and Tatiana in sales um, seem to be responding to that uh, um, in terms of how they're performing, but also what, you know, their feedback is gold. You know, it's the business doesn't work unless, unless they give us feedback and the feedback they give us is we have to act on, you know, because this is what they're hearing directly from the buyers. So, yeah, so it works brilliantly. Night Train, given us a facility and that facility works in such a way 
to enable us to put money in because the world has changed, Toby. You know, so it's not what it was before where most projects didn't need funding. Most projects do. So you wouldn't ha- you wouldn't be able to launch Boston Nova without a fund. It just wouldn't be possible. Well, you would, but you'd have right, yeah. You'd have a proper catalogue, as I would call it, which I said in a rather disdainful way. But it would be a catalogue rather than a slate. It wouldn't be curated. It would just be cobbled together. It wouldn't have a general feeling of oh, I see what these guys mean. It would just be like a oh, it's a collection of shows that are brought in to sell. I just don't want that. That would yeah. That would um, yeah yeah defeat yeah. All. So let's. I mean, let's talk on, to move on and just talk a little bit more about sales. I mean, the your approach to uh, you know sales and dealing with all the you know you know potential partners. Are you mainly working kind of market by market, dealing with local broadcasters or SVOD services or um, whatever in a particular market, or are the kind of deals with the more global streamer type players? Is that is that part of your strategy? Um. Yeah, you know what we we don't um, we don't exclude anybody. That's for sure. I think the reasons that maybe producers want to work with us, if they're taking a bit more of a risk on how they're putting their budgets together, and maybe they're you know they're not beefing them up or they're not uh, they're they're trying to sort of trim them down as much as possible, should we say? Uh, that would mean that they probably don't want us to go ahead and take some deal that uses up all the rights because it almost defeats the object of why they're working with us. Uh, however, you know, if it's the pragmatic way of getting this project off the ground, then, you know what, sometimes we just have to do that and the producers are fully on board with that. You know, they just want to get these projects off the ground. Secondary to that would be, um, can we make sure that we've got some sort of ownership at the back end, you know, so, but, um, you know, generally we will work market by market or region by region, but we're not married to that in any way. Um, you know, A, a Boston Nova, I'd like it to be a profitable business. If this helps it, then great. Of course, we'd like rights that we can then keep selling. Of course, we have to also, we have a hungry sales team and they want to be able to sell things. They don't want things to be taken off the table before they've even had a chance. But, but um, at the same time, it should be a mixed economy. That's exactly what we need to have. So we're getting there with that. We've, we don't have anything coming up where we've actually said goodbye to a whole uh, world of rights. But I imagine that will come in the next year. I imagine that we'll, we'll do one of those at some point. Because, um, yeah, I don't want to... We're not, we're not uh, close to any way of funding a show. And it, I'd only do it under the, with the permission of the producer, you know, because uh, we're working together with them closely, you know. Yeah, sure. Got you. Okay, good. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about crime. Um, there, there seems to have been a real kind of explosion of true crime shows in the last few years. Is is that sector still a hot sector in your view? Yeah, it is. And it's almost like, um, I think people would agree that work in a sector, it's almost um, true crime is almost not a broad enough term to describe the whole sector. There is true crime, but it falls under the same, falls under the world of crime unscripted, however you call it. You know, it's such a, a broad area now. It encompasses stranger than fiction. Um, you know, there's so many, there's soft crime, there's a lot of bloodless crime, as they call it. There are murders, there's all sorts. And, um, you know, it, I think it's, it, it's often coupled with the, the stranger than fiction terminology that people use as well so often when someone is looking for crime they're also looking for crazy stories that you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to make up 
and these are you know they're platform drivers uh, so but if you if you want to just look at crime yeah i mean it's it's never been bigger our crime day seemed to be even better attended by buyers or certainly more focused by buyers than than factual i think maybe with with crime people know exactly what they want uh, so it's easier uh, to to curate it and to put it together from our point of view so you know those uh, those one or two or three or four or five or six parters that's often the same narrative same story they're in demand around the world hugely and they could be as i say one or two all the way up to six parts on one story that is and it varies from territory to territory from broadcaster to broadcaster about what they want but that's very much an in demand sector and we are like we're looking to feed that but again yeah we don't want too much of that in there we don't want to be seen as just supplying content into that area we would love to have a few more returning crime series as well that are single stories so yeah we, we want to have returning series uh, for brands because there's a demand for it I mean everything I say is because there's a, de- there's a demand for it as we see it and we also want you know just singles out there that will uh, that will take the viewer by surprise you know that's important to us as well so um, Paul, we've had quite a lot of people on the podcast in the last few episodes talking about the world of fast channels, and there's certainly um, massive interest in that space. And Avod also, um, and we saw that at MIP TV recently. There was there was lots of activity in the conference there that had a lot of a lot of interest in it. What what's your um, what's your take on that space, and is that something that is um, uh, relevant for Bossa Nova right now? Uh, we're quite happy to be in, use a cycler term, in the peloton for fast. I think uh, there's been a lot said about it. The big boys are starting to come into that market now a lot more. Uh, so I do think it's the quality of channels will start to go up. And and um, we don't want to um, panic and you know upload content onto numerous fast channels just because you know there's a sort of upswelling of of uh, opinion about it we will when the time is right and remember we don't have huge amounts of content so to get the most out of fast channels you really do need to have a huge well of content that you can constantly refresh and so we don't necessarily want to do this and run away and do it now if we see the opportunity and it's a good idea for us as a business and a good idea uh um, for the producers that we're selling content on behalf of then great but we don't want to uh you know, there's a lot of non-exclusivity out there, which is fine. So we're we're uh, we're slowly but surely getting in there, but we don't see that it's something that we're missing out on hugely right now. But um, you know, with Avod, it's part of the whole package of rights. You know, there are separate Avod channels. Avod channels are part of what people would call linear deals. But you know, there's no such thing really now as a linear deal. It's um, to try to separate the two is foolhardy, if you ask me, because um, we're all in one digital platform, and in certain markets, often the so-called analog channels are, are really only now in a digital landscape. In any case, so um, you know there certainly will be more division of rights even within Avod and in within Fast, and it's happening right now, uh, which is fine. And we have to keep make sure those divisions keep coming through because then we're exploiting the rights in the right way. But you know we're uh, our revenue's good, and we're going to make sure it keeps going up. But we're not panicking about 
launching content or or spending money on um, launching our own channels just yet. It's uh, if opportunities come along and they may do, um, we're going to make sure we're in there pretty quickly. One of the points that Boston Over want to be is that being lean um, means you can be fast moving. So yeah, if we see the opportunities and um, Claire, my colleague, business affairs, yeah, she's very keen to um, point out the upside, but also potential downsides of these as well. So we just got to make sure that we're looking at it as a company wide whole, you know, is it a good thing for us to do? Great, thank you. So um, let's talk a little bit about the shows in the pi- in your pipeline that you've got coming up. What what are you most excited about? Uh, yeah, good question. I'm just uh, what we've just launched at MIP TV. You know, we, we launched um, quite a lot of true crime as well as returning series, and we're just now making sure that all of that comes through as um, as sales for the next half of the year. I mean, what. What we really don't want to be doing is is trying to sell shows that haven't actually arrived. I mean, the Cannibal Next Door is just arriving now, um, and so a lot of the buyers, we, you know, it wasn't ready in time for market a MIP. So the Cannibal Next Door is, uh, you know, that is something that we think the buyers will will be into. Channel Channel Five Commission Playboy Secrets about Hugh Hefner. We think there'll be interest there as well. So yeah, there's quite a lot there because. Um, a lot of returning series and then a few noisy one-offs sort of sums up how we're trying to keep the business going. You know. And and how how um, when you what's the sort of typical timing of when you take a show to to market? Are you, are you waiting till it's um, you know it's fully produced and you've got a, a kind of premiere date on a you know commissioning broadcaster like you know you mentioned Channel Five, or or are you are you selling much earlier? Um, Really, you should be waiting until the whole thing is ready uh, because then you've got the pick of the best episodes as well. So we wait, it's, it's much better news for us to, um, to do it that way. But sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you have to get it out there. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, along with, along with things like Cannibal Next Door, we know, you know they, they're going to have to see that before they put their money into it. So that's fine. Other shows where you've done a sizzle maybe or you're looking for a pre-sale, like the first one, Ancient Egypt by Train. We launched that last, yeah, we did launch that this year when we only had maybe two episodes ready, but we think they're going to, they won't take long to make their mind up about that. There's other shows they probably will have. Um, we've got an um, Elizabeth Queen doc coming out uh, from Channel 4, Elizabeth II, Making of a Monarch. There's a lot of royal shows out there, so we know that the buyers will want to see this one before they commit. Castle Secrets, which we think will, will be the beginning of a franchise, Again, um, it's not enough to do a sizzle of that and expect the buyers to go come running in. They will want to see exactly how that looks because it's a competitive market history in that area uh, or done in a sort of commercial way. Um, so, yeah, all, all of these, most of them um, do need to be finished. You know, And if we're looking for finance, that's different. <clears throat> Whereas that's almost a different way of pitching. Uh, and that won't be this, that won't be the same launch list We'll, we'll be almost have two separate lists, one of which is your, these are our finished shows, and one of which these are the ones that we're trying to get off the ground. Great. That's really, really interesting. So this has been a fascinating conversation, Paul. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm sure our listeners are going to find, get loads of really great insights out of this, and uh, I, I uh, potentially I think some of them will be interested to uh, 
come along to your development day because that sounds like a, a really, really great event also. So yeah. well, thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, if any producers want to talk to us, it's uh, Claire Runham um, who just joined us recently. So, um, and we now have an acquisitions team with Jazz. Jasmine's part of that team as well. So um, we've gone from producers not really, they've been contacting me and I've been dropping the ball left, right and centre to now there's, there's, there's uh, Claire and Jazz working in that department. So hopefully that will help. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping there was some insight in there. If there is something that helps, then that, I'm very happy about that. So thank you for inviting me along. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Content, the TV industry podcast brought to you by 3Vision. With decades of TV industry experience and real world success, we know the ins and outs of the market like nobody else. To learn more about our TV consultancy services, head to 3vision.tv.